0: You'll be joined by our hosts, Brian Sweet, who is moving fast towards a billion dollars in assets under management. Brittany Anderson, the driving force for advisors looking to improve their operations and company culture. And Dre Redfern, who can help you systematize and automate your practice's marketing to effortlessly attract new clients. So, what do you say? Let's jump into another amazing episode of The Ultimate Advisor Podcast.
1: Hello, Brittany Anderson here, and welcome back to your Ultimate Advisor Podcast. I have got a really cool guest with me today. Uh, we're going to have some great conversation on what it means to get your clients back to make sure that you are serving your clients at the highest capacity and really maximizing the opportunities you have in your business so i have with me today dan fister he has been a marketer for over two decades and has spent thousands of hours testing and implementing a wide variety of sales growth strategies In total, they've generated over 50,000 customers and have allowed, which has allowed him to work with brands like Fidelity Investments and Tony Robbins himself. In 2016, Dan launched his first win back campaign and the ROI was an astounding 57X. I know how all you advisors like to listen to the ROI component. Uh, Nothing in Dan's 20 years of marketing had created that much revenue in such a short period of time at such a low cost. Based on the success and predictability of Winback, Dan founded Winback Labs and became an evangelist for this undervalued and underappreciated sales strategy. So all of that being said, Dan, I welcome you.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Brittany. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh my gosh, it is absolutely my pleasure. And I am really excited to, uh, to share your story today. So I know we've had a chance to chat a, a few different times now, uh, but I'd love for you to share your story and, and really talk about how you arrived where you are today.
2: Sure. So um, I, uh, I used to work in marketing at a mutual fund company and i decided to uh i was always looking for some kind of an opportunity like uh, i do i'm I'm a very curious person i do a lot of business reading Mm. and so i saw this i know this really dates me but i saw this thing called the internet was really starting (laughs) to catch on especially when it came to um, uh, distributing information and so the idea was that like i was a big reader and i read a ton of business books and i talked to other people about them and they 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 just wouldn't read these books i mean I'm, you know and it's just like i got i got kind of frustrated i thought well what if we summarized business books and there was a couple of uh services that did that but nobody did it online and there's these huge advantages to doing it online right because all the cost of distribution basically is goes to zero or close to zero and the cost of acquiring um these clients was very high uh, i know for one of our competitors like 59 dollars. so what i did was I thought, hey, here's an opportunity. What if we sold these en masse so our um, cost went really, really low? And what if we distribute on the internet and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, quit my job uh, and uh, got two partners and we went and started this business. And um, things were great in 98. Like, I mean, we were just just killing it. And then we just got crushed in 2001 with Mm. the uh, dot-com bust. We had... uh, all these, you know, some pretty substantial companies went bust in that. Um, so, uh, so then we had to do, you know, do a lot of pivoting and and uh, a lot of creative thinking and, you know, we, we threw a lot of stuff against the wall and, you know, that's why I'm such a tester because we, we keep trying to optimize our process and then, you know, your business goes head south. So you got to reoptimize. And then we got crushed again in uh, 2008 with the financial crisis. Uh, we had a lot of, you know, we had like, uh, IBM and fidelity and all kinds of other mutual fund companies. And mm-hmm. they just, you know, we just got nailed there. Um, so, uh, it's been a very interesting ride and that's, that's the, that's the short, not so short, uh, version of my uh, backstory.
1: You know, it's so interesting to me. I love hearing the stories too of that overcoming adversity. So you talk about like the dot-com bubble bust, and then you talk about the 08 decline, 08, 09 decline. But one thing I think is really interesting about you, and this is just a tribute to your uh, entrepreneurial nature, is that you didn't just throw in the towel. So I know this is pivoting a little bit, but talk a little bit about how, how do you look at uh, adversity like that? Like, how did you just keep going and plugging away?
2: Um, well, to be a little too honest, first of all, (laughs) I get really angry. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) my God, I put everything into this thing. (laughs) How can this happen? Um, yeah, so, so, so uh, it always starts with getting mad. And then Mm -hmm. I actually, um, get very optimistic after the, after the Anger's Mm. cleared. I just start, I just, just get optimistic. I just, um, I want to turn it around, you know, and, Mm. and, and like, you know, during this time, like after we, you know, the, the first time we got nailed in in 2001, we finally started to really get things moving. Got this fantastic uh, salesperson on, like he was the top salesperson for Coldwell Banker International nine years Uh. in a row. It's like all fantastic. Two months after we get him, I get a call. Um, there was this, one. Uh, uh, we, we, by then we had some competitors and they wanted to know well, what would it take for you to really fly like money-wise, how much would you like behind you? Well, anyway, so we had a conversation, um, brought the salesperson on, bo- uh, along with us. And a- at the end of it, he wanted to just get our salesperson and forget about us. And I was really offended, you know? Oh no. So it was like, uh, so it was like, uh, that also got me mad. And then I got really motivated to just make our sales sing and, and, mm-hmm. and win, you know, and so whatever adversity comes, it's, 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 it's just a motivator for me. I, I don't yeah. know why, but it, but it really is. I don't it, want to let life beat me down, I guess is the thing.
1: I love that. And I think that is you use the word pivot. And I think that's such a, a great word to explain what I think everybody's had to do, especially in the last few years too. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk recency here, um, we've had to pivot and we've had to make changes and we've had to just kind of go with it and you might get mad, but then you got to get glad again and you got to push yeah. forward. So Definitely. talking about pushing forward, I want to hear a little bit more about win back, uh, what inspired it, what's your vision for the future? all the good stuff there
2: sure so so what inspired it was necessity um, mm.
1: uh,
2: during our second pivot what we decided to do was go for a large number of, of small clients instead of a small number of large clients mm. and so uh, we created a strategy and after two years it actually started to work and <laughs> so uh, we ended up generating like God, I think it's north of 65,000. I just say 50,000 is an easy number to yeah. you know, be concerned. So anyway, um, things are going great and I was basically the marketing person. I was the mm. person in charge of, you know, making sure that people stayed on board and uh, uh, and uh, we just got we just got nailed in 2016. Like we were just bleeding revenue and and one of my partners had, had been bugging me to do win back. And I said, "Lisa, look, somebody goes, we reach out to them three times. They're gone. Like, that's it. We've done everything we can, you know? And, 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 and she said, no, you, you don't have anything strategic, anything super structured, you know, you're, you're just, and and so anyway, in 2016, it was like, okay, Lise, you know, <laughs> uh, I'll create a program, right? It's time. And, <laughs> yeah, it's time. So, so I did. Um, and when I do this, I really, I really dig deep. And there was very little out there on Winback. Uh, There was one woman, her name is um, Jill Griffin. She did a tremendous research project. Uh, Maybe I'll refer to it later on, uh, around 1999, 2001. And she had a really hard time um, finding out about Winback programs because nobody would Mm -hmm. share them. You know, her book was delayed like over a year and a half because people wouldn't talk to her. You know, and I wow. wouldn't talk to her. She actually hired a firm to go out and do it. But but the, the, the bottom line is that um, uh, I gathered up as much intel as I could. I took, mm-hmm. I grew on my experience and I created a, as Lisa wanted, I created a fully structured, really well-reasoned win-back process. And, you know, so we're about to launch. And it's just, I'm not that... I didn't even really care because I was, so, I was so afraid of getting like disappointed because what are the chances somebody's going to come back after you reach out three times right you know yeah. we got this tiny little pool of potential customers and out of those that, that didn't come back like you know it, it was just anyway I wasn't very impressed I wasn't I wasn't um wasn't optimistic at all of course you know, when, when, when your expectations are really low and something great happens, it's just like, oh my God, I became a believer. Like, <laughs> you know,
1: I finally believe my uh, own
2: stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway, it, it was, you know, it's, it's tough to get a customer, you know, there's, yeah. there's, uh, there's a, there's a lot to it. And I'm really honored when somebody says, I'll be your, I'll you know, I will actually write a check to do business with you. And and I really, um found that all these relationships we would created with these mm-hmm. customers, they still counted just because they left yeah. gone today does not mean gone, gone forever. You just need to reach out in the right way mm. and, um, and at the right time. So what we did is we, we did the campaign. It was like the fastest, easiest money we would ever made. We can go into why sales cycles are short with that later and, and why the win rate is so, so high with, uh, with customers, you win back, but I mean, it was just like, this is, this is really special, you know, so mm. I put a lot of time and effort into optimizing the process and really making it uh, and really making it sing. And what I found was that it's not only doing it right, but it's doing it right at the right time. So people who weren't ready when we did that first campaign, well, we nurtured them in between and they were ready for this at the second campaign and some sure. weren't ready at the second, but they were ready on the third. And we kept reaching out in between campaigns while we were nurturing to find out what did we miss in that previous campaign? Like what other value are you looking for? So we were actually watching the market shift in real time. And we've been doing this over the last like since six years, right? So when your market starts to move, you don't know it's starting to move unless you've mm-hmm. got some kind of a, a look inside. And when we just talked to our current customers, they're the ones that are happy, you know? They're mm. not the ones so they can't tell you how the market's shifting because they're not making that shift. So when you talk to your past customers, you're getting a kind of like an early warning of where the market might be going. And 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 customers, customer markets, they're like schools of fish. When one turns, you know, there's a good chance that a whole bunch of them are heading in that same direction. So you got this early warning. And uh, you know, you're able to build processes and programs that are, you know, that are meaningful for this, where the market is going. So, um, okay. I I probably said way more than I I should have about that. No,
1: you know, this is uh, the reason that I wanted to interview you and have this conversation is I just think this strategy and your focus is so genius, because if you think about marketing in general, and if you've been following our podcast for a while now you know that we've brought on and had many many conversations on marketing on the front end you know client acquisition how do you attract your clients but there's not enough conversation around how do you keep them coming back for more and I think about you know our industry we are so darn lucky, uh, so fortunate because we are in one of the few industries that naturally has recurring revenue that naturally has longer term clients. Uh, but I do know that we have some listeners who are in say like the insurance field, or, you know, we have uh, actually some like PNC people who listen in too. Uh, there's a little bit of crossover that happens here. So, you know, as you're listening to Dan share, and as you're, you know, absorbing what he's talking about here with the win back strategy and the multiple approaches and paying attention and testing and measuring. And, you know, we all kind of geek out over some of the numbers with that, especially when you notice yourself winning, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're, you're winning in your company and that's exciting. And you see, you know, the dollars come in instead of just continue to go out. So, you know, if you're listening to this from the perspective of the recurring revenue model, these are some great things that you can employ to make sure that you're meeting the needs of your clients, uh, to make sure that you are continually giving them a reason to keep, doing business with you. And if you're listening to this from more of a transactional nature, like the insurance business, you know, you're looking for ways to continue to serve them. Cause sometimes Dan, I think you can attest to this. Like people just have to be reminded of you know, what they actually need or, or mm-hmm. why they should come back to you and do business. So I, I, I love this topic and I, I love what you have to say about it. So one thing that I did notice, I believe it was on your, it was on your website. It's the win back calculator. And I have to go here for a minute because so many of our advisors are so focused on that whole ROI. Like we'll get into conversation onboarding a new advisor onto one of our coaching platforms are like, well, what's the ROI on this? What can I expect? So talk a little bit about the calculator. How do you use it? Where do you find it? What's it for? What part does it play in this
2: sure it's uh first of all it's at slash calculator and um the idea is that let's have a really quick way of figuring out is win back for me or not in two mm. minutes you know you can you can pop your numbers into the calculator and it's like oh okay you know it doesn't make sense for me or it does um so it's kind of like step one and it's also really useful because you might have different customer cohorts, right? You might have one customer cohort where you've lost a whole bunch of people. You pop the numbers into uh, the calculator and you'll know, Hey, I should really go after these people or no, I shouldn't, you know? So, you know, you might have like a, a a very uh, high cost of acquisition, um, high revenue generating group of clients. You might have a middle tier and a lower tier. So you, Popping the numbers in will give you a good idea of the kind of revenue it could generate and the kind of ROI it could generate. And what's kind of, um, so it's like, well, is this for real? Like how accurate is it? <laughs> and, um, so what we did was we did a study. It was nine months where we tried to did, do in 2019, what Jill Griffin did in like 1998, right? We tried to update all the numbers for win back and get mm. new numbers, numbers that were really relevant. So I got to see uh, over a hundred successful win back campaigns on some level. And what we found was that the the biggest indicator of future revenue is a mixture of what they did before, how recently they worked with you, their satisfaction, uh, you know, all those all those things. And what we did is we put that into an algorithm along with uh, the percentage of people that come back in different ways, not in different ways, but under different circumstances. So what we found was really two core circumstances. You've never done win back before. And what we found was that with our study is that 26% of the people come back. Okay. With a, with mm. a well done win back campaign. And then we thought, okay you know, call BS on your own numbers, right? So we tried to find corroboration because we really want this to be something serious, you know? And, and, and so the, so the study said that um, marketing metrics, uh, they've been acquired by Ipsos uh, loyalty. Uh, They they're in the same ballpark. They say it's 20 to 40% the probability of winning back a past customer. Um, There was a study in Harvard business review that showed like 27 or 29%. So So it's real, you know, a significant number of people will come back, um, but they're not going to, but most of them aren't going to come back unless you approach them with the right approach. And we can talk about, we can give you some ideas on that. But, but basically what I'm trying to say is this calculator is for real. It's going to give you something that you can maybe not hang your hat on, but it'll give you a good no go, no go indicator whether or not you should uh, do a win back.
1: You know, I think you bring up a really good point here that I think we should absolutely press on while we're here in this moment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you talked about how, you know, there are definitely strategies. So if you lose a client, you lose a customer, you know, what are the ways you can get them back? And I want to preface this for the audience by saying um, there is a massive error that we can make uh, when a client leaves us. So let's just take, for example, that you have somebody who's been, you know, a long-term client and for whatever reason, they've decided to take their business to another advisor. Uh, That can be a a pretty painful thing, but one of the biggest uh, errors that we make is just by considering it like, well, it's a loss. Like, oh, I guess they'll just carry on their relationship elsewhere. You know, they've been with us forever. I'm sure they will be with them forever. And I think that's a common misconception. That that we can absolutely circumvent. So, Dan, why don't you talk about some strategies on how you can approach that type of a situation with your your win back strategy?
2: Sure. Um, actually, this is a little bit outside my strategy. So let's let's just start with that because the yeah. some, okay because the minute somebody leaves, what you need to do is you need to set them up so that you can win them back in the future. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you've got to exit graciously. You've got to Tell them, I respect you, I'm not not saying you've got to. My suggestion is,
1: (laughs) you- It's okay, you tell them.
2: (laughs) My suggestion is that you let them know that you understand that you dropped the ball somewhere. And um, this is who you wanna go with and I'm gonna do everything to support you in doing that. I'm gonna make the transition as fast, as simple and as easy as possible. I'm going to talk to you if you give my, you my permission. or You do whatever is appropriate to make this as, as, as good as possible, right? So So, first of all, so that's step one. Step two is you're going to nurture them as they leave. You're always going to okay. say, you know, thinking of you, this is great. And so let's just assume that they were chasing a shiny object. Somebody's mm-hmm. got something. And so when you leave like that, you're leaving the door open. So you can ask them. I mean, you could even go and ask them when you leave, say, is it okay if I check back with you in three months just to see how things are going? Right? So you've been good to them. You've been courteous. You've been helpful. That gives you the right to ask for this other, for, for a meeting in three months. So you check in in three months and you might find yeah things are still pretty good. You ask again, may I check back in in six months? Well, by six months, they're no, no longer new. They knew if that shiny object was really that shiny. And you've got a real shot at getting that business back because what you've done is you've showed them that you really care. They can't show that, the, the new rep can't show that kind of caring. You've proved yourself and, hmm. you know, but in the meantime, you've got to create a strategy for them. And that's the win back strategy. But the point is, is that as soon as somebody leaves, This is if, if, if you, if your people get anything out of this, leave gracefully and help them and find a way of nurturing them. Hmm. So,
1: yeah, you know, you, you make me think about a situation that we recently faced within, um, uh, within our our wealth planning business, actually. So uh, for some of you that have listened for a long time, you know, that we have uh, recently broken away and become fully independent. And part of that, we were talking to different people who we could potentially partner with to help with that breakaway. And it was amazing to me how many people, uh, they were heavy in the chase. They were heavy in the communication. You know, we built what we thought were like relationships with some of these people. Cause it was long, long-term conversations. And the minute we made our ultimate decision to not go with them, it was radio silence it was like nothing again and i thought my gosh there's so much opportunity across all industries because who's to say that just like you said dan in you know 3 months 3 years that that we're not going to be looking for another partner or you know a different opportunity or our business could totally evolve and change And when that door swings very uh, violently closed (laughs) to like basically cut communication, that's a massive loss. So I think about what you're talking about here from two perspectives. One, if somebody were to leave, you know, you have a customer or client that leaves you, but two, also in relationships, you're trying to foster that nurture and that constant communication. I mean, that differentiates people. That's, that makes people stand out. So I, I just thought that was an important point to push on.
2: 100%.
1: Yeah. All right. I want to shift gears a little bit here because I think that you know, the, the successful advisor, the people who typically tune into this podcast, they're looking for ways to grow their business. They're looking to hear stories of overcoming adversity of, of, you know, how you can reach that next level of success. So one question I have for you is thinking back, cause you've obviously hit some trials and, and tribulations along the way, uh, thinking back, what's one of the most difficult lessons that you've learned in your business and your entrepreneurial journey across the board?
2: Um, there, there uh, there's a lot of things I guess I could go with, but I think doing the important, not the urgent, because mm. when you're running a business, there's all kinds of fires to put out. There's always new things yeah. that come up, you know, and, and it's so easy to get distracted and to lose focus. So setting aside a certain amount of time in the day to do that important activity, to do what's going to build your business over the long term, to make that... Uh, a commitment to yourself is is critical or, you know, mm-hmm. what, what what it could take um, two years to do, you know, you could do maybe in four or five months. Um, I don't know if you're, are you, do you do the Colby?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
2: Okay. So um, I'm a 5294. I've got a lot of great ideas, but I don't follow through, you know? <laughs> And uh, so I need people to do the follow through for me.
1: Yeah, I get it.
2: So for me to be focused on getting things done, I need to actually book time with myself to do those things.
0: Mm. That,
1: that in itself is great advice, that booking time to actually get things done. So I'm a six, five, seven, three in the Colby. So I'm a little bit longer in the follow through, but still I'm the same way. Like if I have to put it on my calendar, if I have a project to go head down on, I have something to finish because if I just leave it as broad open for the week that, well, these are the few things I need to get done. Uh, chances are it ain't going to get done because <laughs> I'm going to find something else that's more interesting or more exciting or more energizing or whatever. Yeah, so it's yeah. not that you sit there and twiddle your thumbs. It's just that you find different things that, that feed into more of how you naturally operate as a human being. And that's really what the Colby is. So I think that's, that's great advice. So when you think about your interactions, cause you've helped, obviously a lot of different business owners, uh, you've helped people from kind of all walks of life. So talk about you know, what do you see as being the number one cause of people not reaching their goals or where people are getting stuck?
2: You know, I think it, I think it really starts with clarity. People want better, faster, cheaper, but they haven't decided, you know, they haven't really defined what that looks like. You know, we want to cut costs. We want to earn more money. We want to retire earlier. You know what does earlier mean? What does that look like? And then, and then even if they do that, they don't keep those goals in the forefront. They don't mm-hmm. make it so that they see them every day, so that they become like kind of like their 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 DNA. And um, yeah, so I think you know that's a. I'll give you a short answer for for a change. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, but that's a concise answer. And, and I think you're, you're so right. Cause what's the, um, there's a saying out there and it's something about how, you know, if you don't tell the universe, what you want, the universe isn't going to know what to give you. So, you know, when you think about your purpose and you know, what you're trying to achieve and what you're trying to accomplish, you know, I love your example too, of the early retirement, or, you know, we think about advisors that that are listening to this, you know, a lot of them are trying to create their version of a lifestyle practice, right? You know, not necessarily, we don't get a ton of the people that are like, oh, I'm good with a few hundred thousand in revenue. And I just, I'll call it good. It can just be me and one other person. That's not typically who we end up attracting. We end up attracting the people who have, you know, uh, five, 10, 15, 20 employees, uh, typically people who definitely have a focus on growth, who are hungry for those next levels, but yet they don't want to completely sacrifice and just pour every ounce of their waking moment into their business. Like that's not something that, that they want to do. So I think what you're talking about is having clarity on what you want. That also allows you to say no to a heck of a lot of other things, right? Like that's, that's. Again, easier said than done sometimes, but that clarity helps. Absolutely. So I think about all that you've done. And I think about, you know, you creating Winback Labs and your pivots that you've made and all of these things that have happened in your life. How do you develop the courage to start something new?
2: Well, for me, it, it starts with, uh, it really starts with excitement. Like, Mm. I do a ton of reading, I love to read, I'm very curious. I love to, you know, uh, get all kinds of expert opinions from all kinds of, you know, diverse areas. And so from time to time, an idea becomes just ingrained in my head and then I really do Mm. a deep dive and I really research it. And um, that in in and of itself is very rewarding, but some of these ideas, it's just like, I've got to do this. You know, and it's got nothing to do with courage. It's just like, I've got to do this, you know? And, and I mean, it's, it, it, it even spans to, to, you know, life. Like, um, I, I started, you know, reading about life in different countries, like in
0: Mm. Turkey
2: and Thailand and all these, I had to go. So I sold everything when I was 28. My wife and I, we we traveled until the money ended and we saw all these things So like, and you know, people said, Oh, you know, you're so irresponsible. You know, you, you left your career, you left the world. And I said, well, I had a horrible, stressful job. I was a commodity trader, you know, it was killing my health. And so, so it's like, no, I'm doing a reset, you know? Mm. And, and it, and it wasn't courageous at all. Just like these things are not for me, they're just like, I have to do it. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and, and while I was traveling, um, I ran into a, a guy I played hockey with. Um, this was in this like, really out of the way place. And uh, he had uh, a horrible job also that he quit and him and his wife were traveling. And um, uh, he was a, a lawyer for for natives around the Arctic Circle in Canada, you know, oh, and wow. it was hugely yeah. stressful. At 28, his hair was all gray. And i oh, ran goodness. into him a couple of years later in toronto that's where, I, that's where i live yeah and now he was a law professor at one of the universities and his he did he, he did his reset and he and, and it worked out great you know i did my reset and it worked out great so you know i've been i've been rewarded for taking chances so it, there really isn't much courage for me you know it's, hmm. it's pretty easy
1: you know there i know you say it's not so much courage but it's a hundred percent courage. And (laughs) and I think you're just humble. Honestly, I think that's, and that's contributed to your success too, is that you're able to take that humble approach. And, you know, it, it, takes a special unique person to be able to just sell everything and go travel and experience different cultures and, you know, really get to the core of, of what it is you want and then going after that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's what gets me excited in having these types of conversations is seeing people that have done that pivot and have made so many changes and changes for the positive. And you just keep trying to positively impact people's lives, Now that's, that's a ton of courage. So I'm calling you out on that one. (laughs) So, you know, I I always love to to hear this particular, or the answer to this question. So um, talk about a moment of impact from your life, uh, how that influenced you. And this can go either positively or negatively.
2: Huh? You know, I prepared for this, this (laughs) question and and it's just, I feel like I've covered. I've, I've, I feel like I've covered everything I could have talked about. But a moment of impact. <sighs> this is going to lead to the next question. But, but I think that, that, that it's, maybe it's important. I, um, I have been a horrible insomniac. I've been a horrible mm. insomniac um, uh, all through my teenage years. until I discovered, um, meditation Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I remember my brother said, like in high school, he says, I didn't have bags under my eyes. I had luggage under my eyes. Like I was just not sleeping, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, so, uh, my mom told me about this type of meditation and why don't I try it? I was no way. Um, fortunately there was an article in Scientific American that talked about it. They had all these studies done about U.S. Army colonels who had uh, their who did this type of meditation. They went from like three hours down to like 20 minutes to or half an hour to to fall asleep, you know, within three months. So um, that doing that, like the first time I did that meditation, like when they first, you know, gave me, uh, gave me the the mantra. It was like I had so much energy. Mm. It was crazy. Like, um, I, um, I used to work at a grocery store. This, is, this happened in high school. And I actually literally ran from there to the bar that everybody went to after work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just, and it was just like, I, I, it, was, it, was, it was so impactful. It's just like, I never knew that my mind could do so much for my body and so much for my attitude, mm. you know. Because um, when you're sleep deprived, um, it affects your outlook, you know, yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's very difficult to stay positive and and that sort of thing. So so that was a that was a massive moment of impact for me.
0: Mm.
1: Um,
2: learning to meditate.
1: You know, and I, I think about the high achieving brain, right? And, and how hard it is to shut down at times. Like I think about it. If we've got, you know, multiple big projects running, or I have an, uh, fast approaching deadline, you know, as we're recording this, I'm, I'm writing a book right now. And my deadline is like, what feels like in four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's, that's what I'm thinking about, but the ability to shut that off. And I think meditation is a massive contributor for that. Again, that high achieving brain, just to slow it down and get you into a state that lets you to get that or allows you to get that rest, that lets you kind of calm down a little bit and helps you to be maybe more proactive than reactive. Uh, I, so I, I love that piece of advice there. Um, so I want to, I want to go, uh, we'll keep going with this. I actually really like this meditation topic too. So you that's something that has been a moment of impact for you. That's something yeah. that has been, you know, a contributor. So when you look at all the people that you have helped, uh be it in, you know, your previous businesses, in what you're doing now with Winback, uh what is a common thread that you've found in some of the most successful individuals?
2: They're afraid to fail you know, they're afraid to try something and fail and not have it be a part of their, make it a part of their, who they are. It's not mm. a failure. It's uh this is an experiment. My, my being is bigger than my failure. And, and that's yeah. what I find with so many people. And these are the, you know, this is, this is why I do so much reading of, you know, successful people. It's, it's not, you know, to a degree it's be, what made their success. How did they do what they did? Like what yeah. brilliant insight did they have? But it's, but it's also the mindset they had that you know I'm bigger than my problems and, mm. and I just see that in, in in so many people you know that that I, that I admire and it doesn't have to be financially or sports or anything like that it can be you know in 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 any area like uh, when I was traveling there were there were people who had tremendous dignity in doing the most menial of things and they took such pride in it mm. I mean I, I remember, I was waiting for, uh, there is this one place on this uh, really remote uh, beach in Thailand, right right out in the middle of nowhere, and I I ordered this uh, coconut something or other, because somebody said, oh, this is a fantastic thing to get, and it took like about half an hour, and I'm wondering, what's going on? Well, this person, like I said, you know, this tastes amazing, like, what did you do? And, And she showed me. It took her a half hour to make this one thing that they charged like 18 cents for. You know, like wow. all the stuff she did. I thought, so this person, this this young woman made this amazing dessert out of coconut and and her brain. You know, and it's just like she just took all this pride in it and 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 people loved it. You know, I mean, there was literally one hut on this beach that you had to walk like a half a mile to get to. And People came there because of this. Wow. You know? So, I mean, it's just like, it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, it's, that, it's that making an impact. And if you're afraid to fail, like, I mean, how many times does she try different types of different recipes right. before she got yeah. it, ready, you know? So, yeah.
1: Oh, and the topic of fear is such a heavy one. I mean, that's one that could have a whole episode dedicated. Actually, I've actually done episodes on fear before. Uh, so, you know, what's one way, and this is a little rogue on you, but what's one way that you, um, overcome fear for yourself?
2: I, I think of the very worst things that could happen and mm. I just blow that all out. And, yeah. and by the time I go to the worst of the worst, it's like, yeah, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's not so bad. <laughs> yeah. It really is because, you know, living in the West, we, mm we don't, well I shouldn't say we don't, I do, I have not had serious trauma in my life. My Mm. uh, my grandmother, um, I I was offered a chapter in a book on gratitude um, earlier uh, about six or eight months ago and the person that I wrote my chapter of gratitude for was my grandmother because she had I've got the life I've got today Mm because of what she did. And, um, um, she's, she's from the Ukraine Mm. and, um, this was, uh, she was burned out of her, her parents' farmhouse was burnt out and she had to flee for her life and only her and her sister anyway. So long story short, here's this, um, 19 year old girl, couldn't speak anything but Ukrainian, uh, peasant. Uh, they didn't allow, the Ukrainian girls or boys at those at that time to be educated, like the the people who were in charge of uh, Ukraine at that time, and so she literally worked her way across Europe, got on a steamer across Canada uh, to, to Canada. Um, she was promised to a man, so that's you know maybe in those uh. days it's like you had to be. Um, so she's promised to a man, but she started to work her way from Newfoundland all the way to central Canada, she got a, so she heard her, she had to take care of her sister and she's in this um, uh, canning factory and a, a jar exploded and she lost an eye. So all of oh a sudden she's goodness. not marriageable. So now she's anyway, so she goes through all of this stuff, you know, and it's like nothing I've ever done. Touches wow. The, you know, so, so people, so when I, when I, when I hear this stuff, it's like, Oh my God. know and she's happy you know she's all happy and uh so so there's that i'm very fortunate to have her because she kind of sets a little uh yeah you know your life doesn't suck
1: (laughs) (laughs) i would say and i can absolutely see why you wrote a chapter of a book on your grandma and in a state of gratitude because that is so compelling and i bet there's so many more layers to that story too that You haven't even shared here. So, uh, you know, that it's so amazing too. I think that when you think about fear and you think about, you know, pursuing what you want, like we are in the great land of possibility, Yeah. Right? Like anything is possible and and it's what you choose and it's what you decide and it's what you go after. And, you know, I think that that is such a contributor to some of the most successful people is, I mean, you're dead on with that is that they're just not afraid of failure. You're either, what is it? You're either winning or you're learning. Yeah. You know, I can think of so many aspects from my own life where, yeah, I was petrified. Like I think about different moments of speaking on stages or, you know, interviewing people or being interviewed or, you know, having some sort of introduction or a pitch or whatever it is and being absolutely terrified. But when you really get perspective that, man, I have this opportunity in the first place. Like I am in a pretty darn good spot if I even yeah. get this opportunity. So looking fear in the face and deciding that you're not going to let it control you, I, I just I love that. So, Dan, uh, before I ask my final question today, how can people get a hold of you? I, and and I want to say this because this actually popped in my head as you were talking that I didn't, I didn't think about before. So with WinBack, back with the whole concept and you know the structure that you offer and, and how you support people if you're listening as an advisor let's say you went and did the calculator or whatever it is and you're like oh well yeah that might be cool for my business I want you to also think if you have business owner clients that you serve Mm -hmm. you want to look at a differentiating factor as a financial advisor listening to this so you're thinking okay how can i differentiate myself so that i don't have to lose my clients right because that's kind of the topic of this Mm -hmm. conversation but a way to do that is to also put great tools and resources in front of people you serve. So if you have business owners that are part of your clientele or that's a niche focus for you, uh, being able to introduce something like win back to them uh, because it may be a tool that they could use in their business, not just that you use for yourself. So mm-hmm. we're kind of expanding our thoughts here. So I just want to preface that before I say, Dan, how can people get a hold of you? <laughs> <laughs>
2: They can, I think that, you know, they can find me. I'm at dan at I answer all my email. Um, and you'll get, um, actually, you know, the, the very best place to go is on LinkedIn, uh, Dan hmm. M. Pfister uh, on LinkedIn. And I've got, um, I've got about 15 articles and I've got, also got a podcast called the Winback Marketing Podcast. And, the thing is is that the whole purpose behind the podcast is so that people can hear the stories about how win back has helped them and how it's mm-hmm. been like the win rate is like five times better than what you get with new prospects and how the sales cycle is so much shorter because you've already got the trust and all of these things because like i'm, I'm a real evangelist for this i I'll talk to anybody for a half an hour or even an hour for free, just so that they can get an idea of where they can go for their business. Because so many people can do this on their own, you know, just to dip their foot in the, in the, in the pool, because you know, we're, we, as business owners, you know, we put just our blood, sweat and tears into growing our customer bases. You know, <laughs> I mean, it just takes so much. And, and when somebody leaves, it's not that difficult to get a lot of them back. You know, and even if you don't get them back, right, you're going to when you nurture them and help them out, you're going to get this positive word of mouth. So you might not get them back, but they will talk about you. You know, so I'm very passionate about this because this is, it's all about relationships, right? Your whole life is about relationships. Business is about relationships. You've got relationships with these, these customers. And even if they're not doing business any anymore, keep that relationship going and, and support them even with the other, with the other people.
1: Mm, I love that. And there's so much gold in what you teach and, you know, the resources you put out there. So, you know, you definitely want to uh, connect with Dan on LinkedIn, look at what he puts out. And he is a super highly responsive guy. I know when we were first introduced, he was Johnny on it. So that's always wonderful because you don't, you don't like those lingering messages. Uh, So Dan, my final question I like to ask all of our guests is what haven't I asked you that I should have?
2: Oof. Well, you haven't asked me what kind of revenue potential Winback has.
1: Ooh, uh, let's go there. I like this so, as a
2: closer. So Winback, like, the, like you know, I, I mentioned before that about 26% of your clients will come back. Sure, you're going to, there's a bunch of people you're not going to want back, but let's just say, let's just put that 26% in. Well, so you've got this group of past customers. So you've got all these sales opportunities, Right. Out of those sales opportunities, with the proper campaign, 26% of them, there's a a good probability 26% of them will come back. And when they come back, they're worth about 120% of what they they were worth as existing clients. So their lifetime value more than doubles. So when you take opportunity, 26%, bigger deal size, my God, Mm -hmm. you've got... A really super winning formula. And then when you add on to that, that the sales cycles are shorter because they already know you, they know your product, you know that you've already got the relationship, there's an existing level of trust. It's like just a no brainer to try. So when I did the study, um, we found that for small to medium sized businesses, the average win back campaign generates $485,000. Wow. Serious money. And it costs, these, this is what, chief revenue officers, chief marketing officers, founders, you know, reported in the, it took the, the average cost was under $5,000 to do that win back. That's a 97 X ROI for a small to medium sized business. Wow. And so it's just like, find out about this stuff, go read, you know, Joe Griffin's book. Uh, Look at my stuff. You So much of this on your own, but this is, This is a big deal. This Mm. really is a big deal. There's serious money there. And when you do a win back campaign, you're going to find out why that bucket is leaky, right? You're going to find out stuff that you didn't know before. So now you found out where you're leaking, right? And then you found a way to plug that leak, right? Because you've won them back. You know what, what value you need to add. To win them back, or what you need to do to win them back, you just take that, apply that to your at-risk customers, and if you don't know who your at-risk customers are, you just give that value to your uh, to your entire database of clients, and your retention rate will go up. I mean, and and significantly, like there's um, uh, the most extreme example is uh, one group, their uh, their uh, retention rate went from 87, 85 to 97 percent. Well, massive, massive. And you know, when you can keep that much of your client base, you know, you can grow really easily because you know, you're not, you're not peddling hard because you're not losing 10% a year. So anyway, um, there you go. That's what I wanted to leave people with because it's, it's, this is why I'm so passionate about this.
1: Yeah. It, it makes it real. Uh, and I think that's where, you know, again, especially in, in our industry in particular, you start talking numbers, people start paying attention and yeah. y- you know, we're fortunate at sweet financial. I mean, our retention strategy or our retention numbers are, are insane. Uh, yeah. they're like 99% and they have been year over year over year, but I know that's not the case for all advisors. And a lot of times it's because they're lacking the system to make that happen. So, um, I, I highly encourage anybody listening that if you're, your curiosity is piqued after hearing what he just said to definitely reach out to Dan. So Dan, thank you so much for sharing your insight, sharing your depth of knowledge and your passion for what you do with our, our audience today.
2: Thanks for having me, Brittany. Greatly appreciate it.
1: Awesome. Well, that wraps up this episode of the ultimate advisor podcast. We will catch you right back here for the next episode. Hey there, Brittany Anderson here. If you are loving what you're hearing on our ultimate advisor podcast, don't keep us a secret. Share us with other advisors that you think would benefit from the messages that you are hearing. The easiest way to do that is to simply send them to ultimateadvisorpodcast.com. And if you want to learn a few other ways that we could potentially serve you as an advisor, go check out ultimateadvisormastermind.com. As always, we are so happy to have you here with us as part of the Ultimate Advisor community, and we look forward to a continued relationship.